You know, we're starting our series all in, and I just kind of feel like we probably need to have an honest conversation about a few things. And so sometimes you just need to get, you know, face-to-face, knee-to-knee, toe-to-toe, and just pull up a chair and just talk. And I'm going to start just kind of with a confession. But my life drifts. Does yours? The more I, the more I live this out, the more I realize that this is kind of a common truth for a lot of people. But my faith how I approach my job, the kind of man I want to be in my home, it drifts. Not because I'm a bad person. Please don't think of me that way. But just stuff happens. Life happens. And before I know it, it's kind of like that experience, you know, you, you know, if you go to a, uh, the, the, the ocean or something, you're on spring break and everybody walks up and they put down their basket, and they put down all their things that they've got for the beach and they're kind of, you know, just getting ready to go out. Maybe you go out with some friends and you're throwing a Frisbee or you're throwing a football and, you know, over time the water's kind of hitting you, you're kind of bouncing around and then you're like, hey, let's, let's get out, let's, let's go grab our stuff uh, up off the beach. And you look and you, you think your stuff's going to be right in front of you, but it's somewhere down here, and you just stop for a moment, and you go, what? That's odd. I, how, how did it, did we, did we move that far? And you realize just over a series of events and time and just moments, things that you think are lined up a direction that you want to go, if you're not careful, if you don't keep your eye on them, you begin to drift down away from where you were. And I would think it happens to the best of us, doesn't it? I mean, some of us are probably sitting here this morning and, you know, we want to talk about our faith. And school's back in session. We, we had summer. We had a great experience, right? And, uh, but we, we, we drifted. You know, we come back and some things have changed, right? Some of you are trying to adjust your TV set. Did Schaffner lose weight? What's going on? It's 55 pounds, people, just so everybody knows. Let's just put it out there. Yeah. <laughs> we got a long way to go, people. So let's not get too excited, you know. It's kind of like, I won't make that joke. That would be, that's too fair. The season's still in front of us. I don't need to make any jokes. Okay. But maybe our, maybe our marriage drifts. Maybe, maybe the direction we were trying to lead our kids in, it, it drifts. Maybe the, maybe the person we thought at our work, who we were going to become and what was going to happen, maybe it, maybe it drifted a little bit too. And today's not about making anybody feel bad. Today's a day to call us to getting back to who we want to be. It's not done. It's not over. We're not disqualified. Nobody's kicked us out of the game or off the team. It's just something that, frankly, we've got to get back to and say, this is who I am. This is who I want to be. I'm tired of drifting. I need to be this person. And so, if you will, for the next few weeks, we're going to talk about being all in and what that means. There's going to be some areas of our life that we've got to confront. There are some things in our lives that we've got to change. And frankly, if you're bold enough, I think this could be, uh, like the song says, it could be the coming of a revival for many of us of going, you know what? I belong here. God's working in my life. There's more to be done in our community. I have more to give. So let's hoist that sail. Let's catch the wind of the Spirit. 
Let's launch a fleet of households that move into our community, being all in, being the type of people that God's called us to be. If you've got your Bibles, I want to encourage you to open up to Hebrews chapter 10, if you would. And Hebrews chapter 10 is a a pretty intriguing conversation to begin today because the early church had some of the same issues that we had. Now, when you think about this series all in, there's kind of one big idea that we want to unpack. It's, It's this challenge that we are all in to help people surrender to Jesus. Now, that's a loaded word, isn't it? We're all about helping people surrender to Jesus. So maybe you came today and you're like, man, I want to come back to church. I just want to get back in the rhythm. And I wonder what's going to, we're going to be about this. We believe that because Jesus gave all of himself so that we might know the grand love of God, it is worth us living all surrendered, fully surrendered back to God. That's us. And so this conversation may, it may ring a doorbell and, and, and God may ask you to open it and you know you know it's the area that you don't want to surrender. There are going to be some things that may need confronted in your life that you're going, I've really not wanted to address this. There are going to be some things that the Spirit is going to poke and prompt in your life and you're going to say, you know, it's time. I'm done. And I'm going to step up and I'm going to be who God's created me to be. But it happens in surrender. Not in working harder or smarter or faster. It happens in surrendering to God. Now, when we talk about being all in as a church, we often talk about four rhythms of engagement. Some of you have been through our one mission class. You know what that's about. We talk about uh, what it means to be in 4G experience with First Christian. And the four Gs are this. We gather, we grow, we give, we go. The rhyming's just an extra bonus for all of you scoring at home, right? You know? But we gather in worship regularly as a priority. We grow in groups. That's where God matures us, stretches us, strengthens us. We give of our time, talent, and treasure, and we go into the world being the presence, the church, the presence of God everywhere that we live, work, and play. And by living out those four rhythms together, we create a wake of influence. We create a wake of opportunity. God moves in us and through us and begins to transform the world around us. But those four rhythms, when they happen regularly, we get momentum. We start to see God do grand things that we could never imagine because collectively God is working through all of us. But we need to be honest. If we could summarize our summer, we maybe say it this way. Drift happens, doesn't it? I mean, you almost want to put it on a bumper sticker, don't you? Put it on a t-shirt. And the next time somebody comes up, hey, whatever happened to? And you can just say, drift happens. Well, I thought that you guys, drift happens. But I think God's calling us to stop drifting. And so Hebrews chapter 10 opens into a conversation about uh, our priorities, what we value, what we hold to the highest esteem, because what we value is what we worship. Who we value is who we worship. And many of us, if we were to ask the question, we would say, what is the greatest priority? 
your life, we would say, because we're in church, because I'm your pastor, you would say something like, well, it's God. And then it's others, right? God, family, others. We'd say something like that, right? And then I'd say, hey, you know, I'm not that pastor. Let's quit giving the right answers and let's give an honest answer. What are your values, priorities? What is it that goes to the top of your list every day, every moment? And because drift happens, we get to these moments where we say, well, it, it, I want it to be God. I, I want it to be my faith. But it drifted. Hebrews chapter 10 tells a, a, a background, a story about some religious Jews who came to faith. They were looking for a coming Messiah, someone who, who would be the king of earth, who would give his life as a sacrifice for many. And we call that conversation the Old Testament, right? The First Testament. And in the Old Testament, we get this description of all these sacrifices, all these laws, all these covenants. And we understand that according to the Old Testament, that anytime we sinned or anytime we had distance between us and God, a sacrifice had to be made. And so sheep and goats and doves and a whole litany of sacrifices were done on the behalf of God for his people. Over and over and over, and the bloodshed was the marking of quenching the wrath of God because of our sin. And Hebrews 10 begins to say, you know what? That used to be the way that we've done things. But that's not the way it is anymore. In the book of Hebrews, while there are there, there's some unassuredness about who actually wrote the book of Hebrews. Oftentimes people think that it's a collection of messages to religious Hebrews who followed the Old Testament who began to believe in Jesus, meaning that they, they saw the Old Testament being the foundation for the coming of Jesus. And when Jesus came, gave his life, was buried and crucified, they began to look forward from the foundation of the old to look towards the new. And they realized that everything they saw, everything that they are was filtered through who the person of Jesus is. Today we would call them Messianic Jews. People who hold the orthodoxy of the Jewish tradition in high value and then see their view of Christian faith from that foundation. But what the writer of Hebrews says is all of those sacrifices, all of that bloodshed, All of that covering of our wrongdoing was quenched in a moment, in a relationship where Jesus Christ gave his life on our behalf. And for those of us who call ourselves Christ followers, we hold on to this truth that Jesus' death, his burial, his resurrection is the payment for our salvation, it gives us new life and it restores us back to God. And so in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 18, it says it this way. And where these have been forgiven, our wrongdoings, our sins, our trespasses, sacrifice for sin is no longer necessary. It's done. Book closed. Game over. This is not a discussion point for any of us anymore. God has paid our price through Jesus But then it goes on to say this in verse 19. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened up for us through a curtain that is his body, meaning Jesus' body, 
And since we have a great priest, meaning Jesus, over the house of God, let us draw near to God with sincere hearts and full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled, sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience, having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold on unswervingly to the hope that we profess. For he who promised is faithful. And let us not consider, or excuse me, and let us consider how we may spur on one another towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, drifting, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more, as you see the day, the return of Jesus approaching. Sometimes I hear people say this, you know, it had to be so much easier to follow Jesus after his death, burial, and resurrection. I bet, I, I bet people who knew of Jesus's death, burial, and resurrection, who saw Jesus's death, burial, and resurrection, they were probably in it to win it. They were on fire. They were just passionate about God. And then I read Hebrews just a few decades after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And the writer is saying, hey, people, hey, I know life gets busy, I know Johnny made the Jerusalem soccer team, you know. He's going to be traveling a little bit to Samaria and all the regions to play sport. I know it's busy. I know you got an important job, you know. But he said, we're drifting. We're drifting. And it is human nature to drift off course of the faith that we say we profess. So two descriptors are, are laid out for us, why we celebrate and how we celebrate. Verses 19 through 21, they give us a quick description, don't they? As you look at that, you see uh, this writer is describing that there was an old way that was happening, that this curtain has been torn open. They're talking about the Holy of Holies. They used to gather in a temple, and there used to be sacrifices that would be offered by a priest into the Holy of Holies, and only a priest could go in there. Average folk couldn't just walk up and say, God, forgive me. They, they couldn't do it. Matter of fact, the presence of God was there and people would be struck down if they tried to enter because where God was, there was his holy presence. And so a priest who was to be right with God would go in and offer sacrifices. And the writer is now saying, you know what, this, this old tradition doesn't happen anymore. It has no bearing anymore. There's no worry about that anymore because the curtain was torn open. Remember the death, burial, and resurrection? Right before Jesus' death, God tears open the curtain and the, the distance between God and man has now been extended through the person of Jesus. God is approachable. And so the writer begins to explain very quickly, you know what, we, we can come in with great confidence, we can come in with great boldness, because everything has been provided that we might have intimacy, we might be close with God, we might be able to be in the presence of God without any concern or worry because the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus quenched the wrath of God on our behalf. Jesus was the only true Messiah, and he paid our way for our sins to be given, to experience new life with God, but he also made access with God available Maybe we could say it this way. God was wrathful with Jesus so he could be gracious to us. And because of the work of Jesus, we have confidence to pull close to God. 
Verse 22 gives us a challenge. It says, this is how we should worship. We should draw near. Draw near to God with a a full confidence. We can pull close to God. Uh, It's almost like it's an invitation. Draw close to worship. Come close to worship. Be in relationship with God. There's one thing I could probably uh, ask us to change as a church. When it comes to worship, it would be to celebrate a little bit more. All of the language in Hebrews is a sense of anticipation and excitement. It's like, why wouldn't we come? Why wouldn't we be a part of this? Why wouldn't we want to celebrate? Now, I'm going to try not to go from preaching to meddling here, but the reality is that second song we did today was pretty pretty exciting, isn't it? And it's interesting sometimes uh, because I watch how we respond in music sometimes, and it's a brand new song. So if you didn't know it, hey, that's okay. It's brand new. We're going to learn it together. But some of you started to tap your foot. And some of you started to sway. And some of you tucked your hands in your pockets because we don't want to, you know what I'm saying? We don't want to put our hands together. However, if it's cool on a Friday night, the lights are out, and you and your honey have gotten your hot chocolate, and you've walked all the way to the bleachers, and that ball goes across the little white line, you lose your stuff, don't you? You spill it all over the people in front of you, you go crazy. You show up on Saturdays. You, you, you bring your RV. You start cooking for everybody. You spend three, four hours preparing for a victory. You walk in with your friends. You're matching with same clothes and same colors. You get in there. Some of you paint your faces. Next thing you know, you're high-fiving friends. You're saying hi to strangers, and it's all about the team. Then we come to Sunday morning. Now, some of it's cultural. Some of us We want to learn the melodies. We want to make sure we sing the right songs. But friends, can I just be transparent with you? I'm somewhat frustrated that the the most victorious, loud, screaming venues in our community are where the Illini play football and play basketball. Can you imagine what it would be like as a church when we gather for worship? I mean, I'll just encourage you, if you want to bring your RV next week and you want to start cooking breakfast, I'm down with that. I'm down with that. I can't eat biscuits and gravies, but if you've got eggs and steak, I can eat that. Lots of protein right now, you know. But could you imagine if guests started to show up on Sunday morning and what they saw was a line of RVs, TVs out front, showing our Facebook Live experiences of what, this is what worship's going to be like, looking at highlights. Remember last week, it was good. Hey, sit down and have some breakfast with me. Imagine our guests coming in. This place is nuts. They're inviting me, they're welcoming, and they're all excited. And when they got inside, what happened was nuts. They were singing and they were clapping and they were giving the pastor an amen once in a while. You know, they were, they were letting people know we are in this. Wouldn't it be great if our churches we're the greatest party celebration centers in our community. And that happens with us. We make that happen. And that's what's being described in Hebrews. Because of everything that Jesus has done, we begin to celebrate. We begin to prioritize and we begin to party with each other. And, and so he says, here's how we're going to celebrate. We're going to, with, with our sincere hearts, with complete confidence and full assurance that Jesus has paid our price. We hold on tightly. We don't let it go. We we fight to keep hold of this faith because we believe it with all that we are. And then we 
we consider how we might be able to encourage one another. How we might be able to cheer one another on. And maybe some of us are sitting here going, you know what, Danny, Danny, you don't know how tired I am. That's why it's hard for me to celebrate. You don't know how much I've been hurt, Danny. That's why I have a hard time. So you don't know what I'm going through. That's why I don't celebrate. And I'll just say, I know it. I don't. I don't. But some of us have had children in this room, haven't we? And, and our little bambino went from a kind of a, 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 a crawler, right? Shimmying around on the floor, and then all of a sudden they got up on on floors, and then they began to grab the furniture, and they began to get up and walk a little bit. And then because you couldn't wait any longer, you took them, stuck them in the middle of the room, made them face your spouse, and you said, go, right? And so there your little bambino begins to walk and try, and you know what you did? You didn't turn home and say, I've been walking for years. What's up with this guy? Come on. Come on. You can do this. Come on. And they stumbled three, three steps. They fell flat on their face. They got crying. You feel like a terrible parent. And you said, they did it, right? That's what the church should be like. Even though we're tired. Even though we're beaten down. Even though we feel broken. Even though we don't feel like celebrating. When we come together, we should be the kind of people that say, come on. We can do this. God's already done everything for us. This is for us. Let's jump in. Let's make God famous. Let's celebrate what God's already done. And we should come with that sense of anticipation. That's what the writer of Hebrews is asking us for. Why? Because when we get together, when we get together, we get to make Jesus famous. Notice what what the writer of Hebrews is saying. He's saying, let us. Let us, not let you. Let us, with sincere and and full assurance, let us hold unswervingly. Let us consider how we might spur one another on. We gather together in person because we need this relationship. We need accountability. We, We need to not do life alone. And so then when we begin to celebrate with you, with our sincere hearts, with professing our united hope and spurring on one another, there begins to be momentous celebration. And this is where uh, verse 25 comes in. It begins to talk about, then let's let us celebrate. Now there's no distance between us and God. Now we know that we can approach God. Now that we know that we have no fear, our, our sins, our past, our wrongdoings, none of this is held against us. We can approach God fully. So let's not quit meeting. Let's not let life happen. Let's not drift. So he uses this phrase. Let's not get in the habit of not meeting. Meaning there's a pattern that's showing up. There's a pattern that's playing out in our lives. I love what N.T. Wright says when he quotes or when he describes and defines what worship is. He says, worship is literally worth-ship, W-O-R-T-H. It's where we're placing our value. It's where we're according our worth or true value or something, uh, something or, or, or recognizing and respecting how true something is in our lives. And when we look at our calendar, when we look at our wallets, when we look at the rhythm and patterns of our lives, the things that we are putting worth and value towards, and Jesus is kind of in there, but it's not in there. We're not all in. 
So here's what we need to do. Here's what we want to apply today. We need to start prioritizing the gathering. And what I mean is this, is when we prioritize gathering, we prioritize celebrating Jesus. You know, all of us have a, uh, maybe a calendar, maybe it's on our smart device, or maybe it's hanging in our office, but I, I have a, a calendar. All my family events are on there. All my work events are on there. All my personal events are on there. All my doctor's visits, are, I mean, it's just filled. It's a multicolored calendar, okay? And depending on how long it's going to take for me to get somewhere, I either have a 15-minute warning or a 30-minute warning that says, hey, you better get your hind end down the road, right? Now, I, I don't want anybody to raise their hands, but when you have your calendar together, I'm sure you probably have your job, the things that you need to get done, bills that you need to get paid, whatever it may be. But is there a spot that says, worshiping with first? That's when we begin to realize what our habits and priorities are. That's a sign that tells us, you know what? My relationship with God and others has wiggle room. Now, this doesn't make you a bad person. And some of you are already pushing back going, well, Danny, you don't have to be in church to be a Christian. That's true. That's true. But when you look at the vibrancy of the early church, nowhere in Scripture does it say, and we prioritized coming when we felt like it, coming when we weren't tired, coming when we... No, the early church, when it was dynamic... It was life-changing, world-impacting. They were meeting on a regular basis. They were all in to see that rhythm and pattern play out in their life. So when we prioritize the gathering, we're prioritizing celebrating Jesus. What I mean by that is this. The gathering is a priority we need to put in practice. We've got to put the big rock in the box. We've got to say, this is what we value. And when it comes to celebrating, we need to, it is a practice we need to make priority. So if we're going to make it a priority to come together, to gather and celebrate who God is, we need to come with an anticipation that we are going to engage and celebrate. You know, I've never been at a sporting event where the crowd erupted and somebody went, oh, that's strange. I didn't know you guys were going to do that today. Right? The, the team gets introduced. Nobody goes, why, why is everybody standing up and clapping? No, it's, it's expected. It's anticipated. It's, it's a sign that maybe you're not even interested in what's going on. And there are probably a few people in here that really aren't that interested in sports, so I get that, right? But when we come here, do you come with a sense of anticipation, celebration, the reminder that everyone who's coming here, God has given their life for God has died their death. God has paid their price. And everybody who walks in is forgiven. And we can celebrate that. It should bring us great joy, not just because the room is full, but because we represent humanity and the sacrifice of Jesus. It should give us excitement. And when we practice the priority of gathering, we prioritize the practice of celebrating Jesus. We practice, we prioritize the practice of celebrating Jesus. It doesn't just happen. As a matter of fact, oftentimes it drifts. Well, let me use an illustration I think that most of you know. Maybe you've seen it on Facebook or whatever, but you, maybe you realize what this is, right? This is the illustration of 
our priorities, right? You put the big rocks in first, then the smaller rocks, and then when you don't think you can put any more, you put the sand in. Each represents something, right? The sand represents all the little details, all the little things we've got to get done. The, 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 the rocks represent the pieces that we want to do and how we want to live out our lives or the values that we have. And then the rocks should be our faith, right? It's intriguing to me, and if you're on your way home today, if you want to do this evaluation, I, I, don't, I don't give it to the faint of heart today, but I just want to say this. If you want to, if you want to check what's going on in, in your own household or with other people or maybe just on your own when you're sitting, uh, sitting at home today watching NFL highlights like I'll be doing, you need to ask yourself, what would people say are the priorities of our household? I mean, you'll sit down with your kids, you begin to drive to your restaurant, and you'll sit down and, kids, what do you think we hold as, as priority as a family? And if your kids are able to articulate at that level, uh, I'm sure some of them will say, well, it's God, it's our family, oh, we love sports, we should care for others. But if you ask this question, hey, kiddos, if you were to explain the priorities of our household by our schedule, by the things that we make urgent, what would you say would be our priorities and would they match? Because here's what happens when I sit down pastorally with my friends and maybe they feel like life has drifted and they feel like things are a little bit out of control and so oftentimes I'll say, well, hey, here's, here's your life. Here's your life. What's going on? What's happening? Oh, Danny, you, you just don't know all the things I've got to do. You know, a lot of times I just feel like there's nobody there to help me and I'm I got to do all the laundry. I got to pay the bills. You know, nobody's going to figure out when the oil change is going to happen on the car. And then I got my kids' soccer things. And, you know, I got to get them to school because you need to get your kids a good education. And, you know, I just got all these things. They just keep piling up. And the more I want to do, the less I seem to get done. And at the end of the day, you know, if I can just get my week through my week, I'm, I'm doing good. Well, th- th- does your life represent who you, who you want to be? Well, you know, I, I I want to be an honest person, you know, so I, I try and prioritize some things. I try and go to the gym when I can, you know, and I, I show up for work because if I don't show up for work, I don't get paid, you know, and you can't take care of what you need to. And so, and let's be honest, my, I didn't have much as a kid, so I want to make sure my kids have more than I did. So I'm going to make sure that my kids are taken care of. That's, that, that's great, man. Nobody's questioning your responsibility. Nobody's questioning what you want for them. But who do you want them to be? Well, I want them to be a people of faith. Okay. How does that happen? Well, um, if, we, if we can get them to church, that would be good. Well, well, what happens besides church? Because just showing up at you know, a, a sporting event doesn't make them an athlete. So showing up into a building doesn't make them a Christian or a Christ follower. Well, I, you know, maybe I could, sometimes I, I try and drop, drop them. You realize what's going to happen. The more we want of faith out of our kids, unless we can balance this, which we can't, what we have prioritized in our life are the details and the big rocks that keep it moving, but not the value of who we say we are. So what are we going to do with that? What are we going to do with that? So my kid can hit a ball and ground and field a grounder. Is that what you want them to be known for? My kid gets good grades at school, always gets their homework. Is that, is that who you, you want them to be? 
Yeah, the answer is yes. We do want them to be those. After, after they've come to know Jesus with all the confidence in the world that their past and their sin has been forgiven, that they can freely live out their faith without apology or concern, knowing that they have been saved by God's grace, that they live a faith that changes eternity. And while that sounds good, friends, you know the reality. We are raising a generation that knows about Jesus but doesn't know Jesus. We are raising families that attend church but are not the church. You disagree? No, no, amen? The reality is, this stings, doesn't it? And friends, I started on the chair. I said first, I drift. I drift. But I want to be done drifting, don't you? I want to change my home so that it's not just something we do or something that we value or a tradition that we hold. I want our household to know that Jesus is real, that his death, his burial, his resurrection is not just an event that we celebrate. It is life transforming, that the resurrection of Jesus paid the price for all of our sin, gives us new life. And because of that, there is a world out there that should be experiencing God's love through us. And so whether I'm on the ball diamond, whether I'm on the field, whether I'm in the classroom, whether I'm at work, whether I'm driving my vehicle, whether I'm hanging out with friends, whether I'm out Friday night at the bar, whether I'm whatever I'm doing, I need the world to know that what's foundational in my life, what my household's going to be built on, what this church lives for is to know that Jesus Christ gave his life and I give my life back. Won't you? Won't you? Maybe we should move to a time of response. I think what we have to do today before we go to lunch is just ask the question, what would be different in our lives? What would be different in our church if we said, I'll be fully surrendered. What would change? What kind of ripples could happen? I, I, I know. I know that sometimes, sometimes walking into this building, it can seem foreign. Things have changed. They're not the same. But that's because we're growing. We're maturing. I would hope this church wouldn't stay where it was. We're developing. People are using new gifts that they've never had before. People are coming to Christ that never even attended before. Uh, people are being transformed and, and experiencing Jesus in new ways. And so when we look around, we don't want things to be the same. The question becomes, are, are we in that rhythm of what God is doing here? For some of us, we have to prioritize the gathering. I want to encourage you today to be a part of all four weeks of this series. Be a part of all four weeks of this series. Some of you are going, well, next week's Labor Day weekend. I've got things going on. I get that. 
I know you're going you're gonna to skip opening weekend for football in town. I know you'll be gone for that, right? I know you're going to miss out on it, right? I know you have to be gone from church, you know, because you've got all these plans. But what would happen if this? Now hear me out, friends. If you have to be away from this area and out of town, be out of town. Be gone. But if you can make it next week, you should be here. If you're kind of legalistic, let me tell you what you could be here means. If we, you're within two and a half, three hours of this place, I think you can make it. Imagine this next weekend if you're at the lake in Shelbyville and you're getting ready, you've been boating on Saturday, you took your time and you watched the Illini kick the fool out of Akron and you're feeling good and everybody's having a great weekend and all of a sudden you, you Saturday night say, now kids, I want everybody up in their swimsuits, sunscreen on at 7.30. Why? We're gonna kick our day off early. And so all your kids get up at 7.30. They're picking the boogers out of their eyes. They're trying to get their face together. They've brushed their teeth. They're grabbing something out, throwing it in the microwave. They're going to eat it on their way. And they're like, okay, let's, go to, let's get going with our day. And everybody hops into the Suburban and you just, you just start driving as fast as you can away from the lake. And you hit Interstate 74 and you show up for 9.15 service here. And you come in in your swimsuits with your sunscreen. You know what's going to happen to all of your friends sitting around you right now? You're going to cheer them on that you made it a priority to be here. That you made a statement in your household that gathering as a church matters. That being here when you can get here, even when you're tired, even when you're frustrated, even when you're broken, even when you're upset, even when you have friends that have hurt you, even when you don't feel like being here, when you're here, we get to cheer each other on. And one day at a time, we take a step, one after another, and we chase this faith. We chase it hard. That'd be a little bit abnormal, wouldn't it? Now, please don't show up in your Speedo or, or bikini, okay? Put something discreet over the top, you know? But I got some people from first service that are going to show up. And they're going to be in their Bermuda shorts. And they're going to be in their tank tops. And I can't wait to worship with them next week. Some of us need to prioritize the celebrating. Not just show up here. But we got to start getting our mind changed when we walk in this room. Sometimes we walk in this room and we think about what we like, what we want, who's caring for us, what's going on for us. We got to flip the script. As a Christ follower, somebody who has experienced the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, somebody who stands and says, I'm forgiven, my way to eternity is already taken care of by the, by the blood of Jesus, we should have a perspective that it's about others, not about ourselves. We should have a perspective that this day's gonna happen and I'm gonna be here to celebrate. This, we should have the perspective that I'm about giving my life to others. I'm about pouring my life out. I'm about setting a pace so that, so that those are around me, whether it's my friends or it's my family, when they look at me, what they see is a trajectory a direction, a value, a priority that says I'm chasing Jesus more than my job, more than the opportunities of my children, more than a political seat on a county uh, opportunity, whatever it is. Because when we're all in, 
momentum, movement, God's transforming work begins to envelop not just you and me, but everyone around us. So I dare you. Show up next week. Bring your RV. Cook some breakfast. Hand out party hats, kazoos. You do what you got to do. But let's keep the party going. Let's become the largest celebration in the area so that when people go to watch our beloved football and basketball and volleyball and soccer and tennis and golf and all these other great sports we have around here, that you can sit next to your friends in their special seats. And when they look at you and say, I think this is the year things are going to change, you can say, it's all right, but I'm going to church tomorrow because that's, that's where the fun is. That's where we hear about our friends who are changed. That's where we overcome our struggles. That's where we celebrate the victory of what God did on our behalf and we get to make God famous in the way that we live and love and care for one another. Yeah, this is nice. But I love Jesus. And I love us. Just a moment, you're going to have a chance to respond in worship. Some of you will come and pray. Some of you will go to these tables where we will celebrate communion, the death, burial, and resurrection. We'll eat the bread and juice and drink the juice because we're reminded that Jesus said, this is my body broken for you. This is my blood poured out for you. And you'll come and you'll, you'll take communion. Can I say, don't be afraid to give a high five to a friend. Don't be afraid to hug somebody just out of appreciation of what God's doing. And maybe we'll even get excited and we'll give of our tithes and offerings. We'll open our wallet. Maybe for the first time, respond, respond to these give and respond boxes. Maybe we'll make a decision to sign up to serve. But friends, we don't become who Jesus wants us to become just be some, because some guy beats his chest, sweats because he's passionate, and pours out one of his most intense messages in a while. Our church changes when we surrender to the power of the Holy Spirit and God's character wells up in us and we say, Jesus, have your way in me. And that's, that's when life gets fun.